A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 76 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We will be continuing our Dynasty and Prospect Rankings episodes today with the third base position, the hot corner. And with me, as usual, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, man, it's a good day to talk baseball. Football season is Coming to an end, seems like more people are getting back into the baseball swing. We've been here all along, so glad you're back. If you're if you're rejoining us from football, I'm happy to have you. Looking forward to talking about some dynasty and prospect rankings. Be sure to go back and check out our episodes if you haven't already, covering catcher first and second base, and obviously, like Eric said, covering third base today. Kind of shallow for an uh, MLB standpoint, but prospects, a lot of fun guys on the way, so it's going to be a good episode and fun to discuss. For sure. Yeah, I was going through, I, I did my third base prospect rankings article and some blurbs uh, the earlier this week, or actually later last week, I should say, on Fantrax HQ. And yeah, I was surprised once you add in the guys that played at least like, you know, a quarter of their games or 10 plus games there, it was actually pretty deep for prospects. But yeah, third base, as most people know, you know, drops off pretty quick. You get a pretty good top couple of tiers here, but. After that, it gets pretty questionable, but not at the prospects uh, side of things, that's for sure. But before we get into the show, we'll do the usual housekeeping here real quick. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer. Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. Let's hop right into our Dynasty rankings here, as we've done with every other show in this series so far. We'll do Dynasty rankings and discussion in the first half of the show, and then prospect rankings and discussion after the break. Let's get right into those rankings here with our top 10 Dynasty third base rankings. Chris, who you got? All right, Jose Ramirez at the top shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I think he's probably consensus number one, followed by Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, and Alex Bregman. Then six to ten is Spencer Torkelson. And there's a pretty big teardrop here, actually, after Torkelson to go to Chris Bryant, Josh Young, Nolan Arenado, and Key Brian Hayes rounding out the top ten. Yeah, I noticed that too. So it's funny you mentioned that because in my overall right now, uh, which is I'm still tinkering with as of now, because it's currently 8.30 p.m. on the East Coast Sunday night. As, when you're listening to this, my rankings will be out uh, Monday morning, so go check those at my updated Top 500 Dynasty rankings, and go check out Chris's Top 500 OVP rankings he put out last week. Uh, so I'm still tinkering, but as of this current second, Torque is 60, and then it drops off a good amount after that down to like the 80s. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big drop-off right there, um, which is kind of odd to see in the Top 100 or so, but 
I have the exact same top six as Chris in the exact same order. Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, Alex Bregman, and Spencer Torkelson. Seven for me is Nolan Arenado. Then Alberto Mondesi. I hate that I have him ranked higher than Chris. That just pains me to have anybody be lower on Mondesi than me. But again, Chris's rankings are a little bit more OBP focused, which makes sense. But Mondesi is absolutely terrible OBP. Uh, the nine and ten for me, Chris Bryant and Josh Young. Very, you know that that's a really elite tier. Like you get the first three really elite. Those are all like top twenty-five guys. Joe Ram, Devers, and Machado. Riley broke out. Bregman at five though is pretty interesting. At least for me, Chris, he was really hard to rank because he was coming off two kind of subpar years for him after two great years in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. 2018 slash 286, 394, 532, 31 home runs, 10 steals in 157 games, and led the league with 51 doubles. 2019, 296, 423, 592, 41 homers, 112 RBI, 122 runs scored, led the league with 119 walks and five steals. With the last two years in 133 games combined, only 18 home runs, 77 RBI, only one steal. Hit 242 in 2020, 270 in 2021. So he was a hard one for me to rank. He's have, he, had, he had offseason surgery about a month or so ago. So hopefully he'll be 100% ready to go opening day 2022. Maybe, probably, that was playing a little bit into his slump over the last couple of years. But then again, I don't think he's 2018 or 2019 good. So uh, where are you at right now, Chris, on Alex Bregman? Um, he's definitely more of a buy in OBP leagues. I think he's a good buy low there actually. But when you look at the power, like he's never really hit for high exit velos, which is fine. Like that's not a, not a huge deal in, in today's game, but the most of his power comes to the pool side. He really benefits from those Crawford boxes, which helps oh, yeah. him out a ton there. And so you look at that and you look at his spray chart and you'll, you'll see that pretty easily that, throughout his career, he's just really benefited. Like he doesn't hit any opposite field home runs, very few per se, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that 2018 and 2019 are probably big outliers at this point, but I still like the profile. I think that what you mentioned, like he was injured pretty much all year because he, he missed time with a quadriceps injury during the season. And then also the wrist injury we found out after the season, like how much did that affect him? Because you look and we really saw him trend downward to an extent, like over his last hundred plate appearances, his ex woba everything really trended down. And I wonder if that was the wrist bothering him. You have to wonder, but he's still got elite plate discipline. He doesn't strike out much at all. I mean, constantly low strikeout rates and his walk rates are right there with his strikeout rates. And first career, you look a 14% strikeout rate, a 12.5% walk rate. So the play discipline is really, really good. Doesn't swing and miss much. But I do think he could be a little more aggressive. I really do think that could play into it. But I don't really see him getting back to 2019 levels per se. But I do think there's a solid profile here. I still think he's a 25-30 home run bat in a really good lineup. And he's going to hit for decent average in my opinion. And the OBP skills are just really off the charts, so he really plays up in that format. As you can tell, I'm, I don't know, where do you have him in your average ranks? I have him around like 32 in my OBP ranks. I have him It's a good question. I have him 52 right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. He definitely plays up in the OBP format. He does, yeah, and I agree with a lot of what you said. I think there's a middle ground to be had here, um, but I was just looking at his uh, spray chart. Uh, so going back to his rookie year of 2016 career, he has 117 home runs. Chris, I want you to guess how many of those were to right or right center out of those 117. Uh, five. Well, actually, it was more. It was a little more than that. Twelve. Okay. Uh, none in the last two years. All 17 of his home runs or 18 of his home runs of the last two years were pulled. And yeah, th- those Crawford boxes. Like he is a guy that just fits that ballpark exceptionally well i think his value if you went to like a any other park pretty much that doesn't have like that those crawford box he'd probably go down in value or if you went to like a neutral hitters park he'd go down in value obviously because 
I'm not sure that speed ever comes back. Not that it was a big part of his game anyway, but I don't think you can count on him for any speed, any steals he provides. It's just gravy at this point. Uh, obviously, he's established that really high OBP floor. Even when he hit 242, still had a 350 OBP. So that's like his absolute OBP floor at 350, which is still very, very good. Probably going to be more like 380, 390. I think he does bounce back. I, I can see him bouncing back to like a slash line close to 2018. It's like 286, 394, 532. Maybe not quite low 30s, but maybe 20, 25, 26 home runs. Lots of doubles for sure. A lot of, I think he'll be, if he plays a full, you know, 145, 150 plus games, you can see 200 plus combined runs in RBI. So I think he's going to be a really good four category guy. And that's, I think, warrants being fifth overall, especially at this position where it falls off. Like the guys below him, like I'm not, I'm not putting Nolan Arenado above him anymore. I'm not putting like Chris Bryan or anybody like that or any of the prospects. Even Torque, I don't think is, Torque's close, but I, I wouldn't put like Josh Jung, even though I love Josh Jung. Uh, up there yet so yeah he's definitely it was a hard one for, for me to rank for sure chris bryant too like i i don't know what to, i want to do with chris bryant anymore like I, i've always been a big chris bryant guy getting back to his prospect days with the cubs but it just seems like he's always dinged up is he a guy that you'd be willing to kind of buy into right now like if you didn't have him would he be a guy that you'd be targeting or how, where are you at on, on bryant chris not really for for dynasty because he's you know going to be thirty years old next year. He just doesn't really do a lot that you, I love. I think that yeah, with the shallow position, he's valuable. But I almost prefer just going out and trying to and banking you know, on like a Cabrian Hayes yeah. or even a, a Yohan Moncada bounce back than than Chris Bryant because I think he just really is who he is at this point. He's never really hit the ball hard. I mean, we've we've seen that constant you know, throughout his career. I mean, last year's average exit velo was 88.2, which was just a 0.2 miles an hour above his career average. So you go back and he's never had an average exit velo over 90 miles an hour. His max is 113, but over the last, since 2018, his max is 111. So those numbers don't really bode well. Barrel rate, 10.3% this year or past year, but prior to that, never above 10%. Launch angle's inconsistent. I don't know. He's just not really a profile that I'm looking to buy into in Dynasty. And I do think he's valuable. I think we know who he is at this point, and he's just a, a good but not a great asset. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, he's he's there because of the, the multi-position eligibility does help. He can play first. He can play outfield. That's valuable. And like I said, I still value him over guys like Moncada and Rendon and Hayes for now. Um, though I do think all three of those guys could vault up ahead of Bryant this year and Josh Jung if he has a, a pretty solid rookie year, which I believe he will. So there's a good chance that Bryant could be like 14th or 13th in this position uh, when we do this next offseason. So yeah, he's definitely one that's pointing down for me. Uh, same with our Arenado is kind of slowly pointing down as well. I, I don't think he'll fall off a cliff anytime soon. I think he'll be kind of where he's at uh, right now for the next couple of years, but Definitely the Colorado days are gone. Let me put you on the spot here, though, Chris. Let's say a dynasty league, somehow you just had a, a, a gluttony of third base, and you have each of our top three here, Joe Ram, Devers, Machado. Had to trade one. Gun to your head. Got to trade one right now. Which one would you be looking to deal out of those three? Uh, probably Ramirez, just because probably the least batting average of that group and a lot of his value speed, which could really tail off with age. He's gonna be thirty next year as well. Yeah, he could he could stop running really quick, and that would hurt his value. I mean, he's a good power hitter, but a lot of his value comes from the five category. Well, he's probably four and a half because batting average. But yeah, I feel much more comfortable with Devers, honestly. Yeah. So, and, and you can cash out on Joe Ram and get a lot for him. So that's what I'm going yeah, with. He'd be one I go with. Too. I was to say either him or Machado. The one I definitely wouldn't go with. One I feel the safest with as well is Rafael Devers. But yep. um, yeah, Joe Rim's surprisingly going to be 30. Uh, doesn't, he doesn't look 30. He doesn't feel like he's going to be 30, but he's definitely creeping up there in age. Uh, let's move on to our next set of 10 here in our rankings. Uh, for me, 11, I have Yohan Moncada. And then 12 through 15, Anthony Rendon, Cabrian Hayes, DJ LeMahieu with Jordan Walker. 16 through 20, Nolan Gorman, Matt Chapman, Luis Shirayas, Alec Bohm. And Ryan McMahon, Chris, who you got 11 through 20? 
All right. At 11, Alberto Montesi, Anthony Rendon, Yoan Moncada, Matt Chapman, and DJ LeMahieu. And then 16 through 20 is Ryan McMahon, Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, Luis Urias, and Miguel Vargas. I think there's a good mix of players in here. We got some older guys, you know, the Rendones and the DJ LeMahieu's, and we get some prospects and mixed in. Um, the one I think is actually the most interesting right now might be Cabrian Hayes. So he was a a prospect that had a kind of a wide range of opinions. Some thought he was like myself. Always thought he was a better real life prospect than fantasy. Um, but he showed pretty well uh, in his first stint. Um, then he got hurt, so he's kind of been you know sliding down rankings a bit. But some of the underlying metrics are still. Very, very um, interesting. I'm making up words here. I just combined intriguing and enticing uh, into a new word. But they're very, very intriguing, uh, especially his quality of contact metrics. Uh, You look at last year, uh, each each of his last first two years, I should say, hard hit rate was 55.4, then 45.8. X slug did drop off last year, but it was 486 his first year. Uh, Solid barrel rate his first year. Last year dropped down as well. So, um, but you got to wonder how much of that was the him playing through injury. So has a little bit of speed, good power, solid contact skills. So I think there's a good chance he can kind of bounce back and kind of vault up into the top 10. Uh, are you in agreement with that, Chris? Yeah, uh, 100% to you. I mean, he played injured pretty much the whole season when he was playing last year. And, you know, wrist injury is going to zap power. Then he developed a cyst on his wrist, which I think is worth noting because that also has a major effect. And right. my question is, he hasn't had surgery or anything, so will it just go away and heal? Hopefully. But I'd almost rather him just have gotten surgery like right after the season ended and, and clear it all up. But I haven't heard of him having surgery, so that that's my one hesitation. But I think he's such a unique profile at the position. He's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for enough power to be relevant, and then he also has speed. I agree with you. He's a bit of a real-life player because he's going to be a gold-glove defender at third base. But I do think there's an intriguing fantasy asset here that gives you power, speed, and a really good average at third base. I think realistically, just looking at my rankings, I could see, assuming that Torque is still here next year, which who knows, they might move him to first base primarily in 2022. But I could see him moving as high as seventh, honestly. Like, I can see him getting in like the top 60, top 70 range ahead of like Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant and all them, though I think Jung will vault up as well. So seventh or eighth, I could see Cabrian Hayes kind of getting up in that range. I think he could be like a 270-ish hitter, 20 to 25 home runs, 10 to 15 steals. That's pretty valuable, you know, overall. Maybe the runs in RBI won't quite be there because of Pittsburgh's lineup around him. But I think he could be a, just a solid Five category guy doesn't stand out in any one area, but just good, you know, con- contributions across the board. Um, where, where do you have, do you think he's 2010, 2015? Where, where do you think tower speed ends up? I think 2010 is probably a fair guess, just depending on how much yeah. he wants to run. I mean, right. it wins. I mean, Chris Bryant's still stealing 10 bags. So I think Hayes, if he wants to, could get to 15, but I think a 10 range is safe. Agreed. Now, last question here two years from now. Eh, let's go three years from now. Who's ranked higher in dynasty rankings? Josh Young or Brian Hayes? Young. I mean, the power, the hit. I think they're probably similar hit tools, but I mean, I think Young pushes 28 home run type. Yeah. And I think that just honestly, I'd rather have similar batting average in a 28 home run two steel guy versus a 20 home run, 10 stolen base guy. I think you just lose a little bit in the power department there enough where the 10 stolen bases doesn't make enough difference to put him above. Yeah. And I think there's a better hit tool with Josh Jung a little bit, not, not a yeah. lot, but slightly better. Yeah. A little more average, a little more power, a little less speed, but yeah, I agree with you there. I would take Josh Jung. I think he could be a, you know, I don't think he'll ever be like an elite guy that gets up in the Joe Ram Devers Machado range, but definitely a guy that could get up top five or so maybe i can see him getting up in the austin riley range for yeah. sure uh, moving on here let's go 21 through 30 who you got chris all right 21 jose miranda followed by kevin biggio justin turner kobe mayo john kenzie noel 26 through 30 is or elvis martinez eduardo escobar josh donaldson 
Eugenio Suarez and Jordan Groshans. How the mighty have fallen with Eugenio <laughs> Suarez. I know. So bad. He would have been um, top 10 yeah, not long ago. I'm pretty sure he was top 10 last year. Actually, you know what? I, I have all these tabs. Let's see. Uh, let's go back to my October 2020 list. And Suarez overall was 87th. And that was right behind. Who's the next? Right behind. Okay. DJ LeMay, who fell off as well. As did Matt Chapman. God, a lot of third basemen fell off here. I know. Um, but yeah, he yeah, would, was probably at least top 10 at the position last year. Like he was ahead of Max Muncy at the time. Uh, that's turned around. He was ahead of Chris Bryant by a few spots. So yeah, he was definitely top 10 last year. And now he's uh, outside top 20 for both of us. Uh, for me, I have uh, 21 through 25, Aralvis Martinez, Eugenio Suarez, 22, Jose Miranda, Eduardo Escobar, Miguel Vargas, 26 through 30, Kavan Biggio, Kobe Mayo, Josh Donaldson, Abraham Toro, and Jan Kenzie Noel. So several more prospects in this range as well. But Kevin, you know, speaking of this, a lot of guys that fell here, like I mentioned, Suarez is one. Uh, Biggio is another. I know OBP, I think you have him a little higher than me, which makes sense with yours being OBP focused. But I, I know we've talked about him a bit before, but are you – is there any hope for you that Biggio turns it around? Maybe not to the levels he was, but could he be a serviceable, you know, long-term guy in Dynasty? Or do you think that this fall is going to keep going and he might not even be a full-time player soon enough? I think that's the concern is that he's not a full-time player, yeah. especially with how good that team is and how deep they are. One thing of note is that he did see his max exit velocity take a massive step forward this year. Went from 104.6 prior, and now he has a high of 109.6, which is super encouraging. He did get the launch angle down a hair, which his launch angle was way too high prior, given how hard he hits the ball. So getting to 15 degrees is a really good number there. But it was just the inconsistent bat at ball data because the sweet spot percentage, which is in the range of 18 to 32 degree launch angle, was down to only 32%, which is a not so great number. You'd love to see that number a little higher. I do think we saw him overperform. Everybody expected him to be a 2020 type player. Yeah, he's going to get on base because he walks at a high clip, but he's not going to hit for a good average. I don't really know how much power we actually see, which is a concern and how much he actually runs long term. So those factors do have me a little scared. And you factor in the given depth in Toronto and even the stud prospects on the way. They want Gabriel Moreno to play third base. So yeah. that that takes the spot from Vigio, and it wouldn't surprise me if they signed someone. Like, there's plenty of guys out there they could sign still when the lockout ends, or even trade for. Like, they talked about trading for Jose Ramirez, which would be nuts. It doesn't look good for Vigio, but maybe maybe he needs to get traded where he can get a fresh start somewhere. Because I do think the profile is intriguing, but it's not looking great. Yeah, you know, you look at the, some of the plate discipline metrics. He was a bit more aggressive last year. His zone contact rate actually went up uh, to a career best, 82.7%. Uh, zone swing was up. Chase was up by a good 5% or so. Chase contact went down. So that's like when your chase rate goes up and your chase contact goes down, that's not good. First pitch swing was up about 9%. Whiff rate was up almost 3%. But So not like terrible at I think he's going to bounce back. I don't think he's a 224 hitter, though his XBA's last two years might say that he is actually 214, 207. So maybe he is nothing more than a 240 hitter. I don't think he's ever going to be higher than that. Even with 240, the OBP could be 340, 350 at that range. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of the power. Like he just doesn't crush any pitch. Like you mentioned the max exit velo went up. That's great. But average exit velo has always been kind of meh. Barrel rate is meh. You know, hard hit rates below average. So I just, I don't know, maybe he's a 15 homer guy, but, you know, 15 10 yeah, with 240 and a good OBP. I think that's kind of best case scenario at this point. So his, his average exit velos are actually better than Chris Bryant, which is interesting. And they have been. So I don't know. Some guys just make it work. And, and right. that's not, to, I'm not going to say that Biggio has, Biggio doesn't have more power than, than Bryant. He just doesn't. But that is interesting to see, and that shows there's some there's definitely some flaws in the average exit velocity, yeah. even max exit velo to an extent. I, I'm working through running the numbers. 
for like 90th percentile, which I think is a, a way better oh, indicator of, absolutely, of Max. Yeah. Because I, I don't know for sure, but this could be a huge outlier in Biggio's profile, like that that new high max. He could have had that one at 109, which was could have even been a bad read. And, you know, his his max, other than that, could have been – his second highest could have been like 104, which is a, obviously what it was prior. Like to see that jump, it makes you question. I, I haven't got to run third base yet, but I'm going position by position looking at these because I do think that 90th percentile tells you so much more than max. It it sure does. Like I, I've been, you know, I'm not saying Max X Avilo is like worthless, but I, I use it more for like, you know, if I see a prospect hitting, you know, a certain evil X Avilo, like, all right, and kind of opens my eyes a bit. But yeah, with with major leaguers, not as much. It's like you mentioned that's that's one batted ball event. That's it. Like he could be, you know, the rest of them could be like no higher than 102. Yeah, like, you never know. Like he could run into one. You never know. So. Yeah, that's not something I kind of look at too, too much in my evaluation. But yeah, you look at nothing really stands out from for Biggio. So yeah, I think 240, 350 OBP, 1510 is probably the best case scenario we're looking at here. And, and I do agree. I think he could benefit from a change of scenery, get traded to a different team where he can settle in, whether it's second, third, outfield, wherever it may be. But I think he's gonna, if he stays in Toronto long term, he's going to get pushed out by, you know, they'll bring up a Relvis, they'll bring up Moreno. You know, like you mentioned, there's been rumors that they might sign or bring somebody in after losing Marcus Semyon. So there's a lot of a lot of things playing against Biggio right now. So definitely not one I'm looking to acquire at all uh, in Dynasty Leagues. And same thing with Eugenio Suarez. So he ended the season really well. Do you think there's anything to that, Chris? Or you think that's just a hot month? I think people are reading too much into that. Like, oh, look, he's back. But it takes a lot more than like a hot three weeks for me to erase a terrible and terrible is putting it nicely, a terrible five months from him. So you think there's any, any hope for a Suarez bounce back? I think he's just a really an empty power type hitter now. Yeah. I, I don't really see much in the profile outside of power, which is fine. If you need power, like where he's going in drafts this year is, it's not, you know, not terrible, but I don't, I just don't really, see the worth personally. No, I totally agree with you there. It's just strikeout rates way too high. XBA has always been pretty low. I think there's a chance he, I don't think he's 198 hitter. And again, but it does say something though. He still had 31 home runs last <laughs> year while hitting 198. So, yep. And I'm, I'm not saying you know, obviously average does not correlate to home runs, but that's just maybe if he can you know, put the ball and play a little bit more, that can still get up into the mid thirties. So yeah, definitely a, a cheap, you know, late round power source that's about it doesn't run at all average is never gonna be great obp will never be great so you know it could be a decent three category guy that hurts you into so yeah you know it, i think it all depends on can you can you take on that low average and the no speed is your rest of your roster able to withstand that i think that's kind of what it comes down to with suarez because yeah that's i'm not for me i don't like guys that hurt me in multiple categories one category okay maybe depends on my roster construction but two categories yeah that's not, not someone i want to go after personally uh, let's move on to 31 through 40 here the last 10 in our dynasty rankings and then we'll give a major league breakout pick for 2022 for me 31 through 40 goes brett Beatty, dustin harris reginald preciado Carter Keyboom, again, someone that has high prospect pedigree has fallen. J.D. Davis, Jordan Groshans, Patrick Wisdom, who's basically pretty close to Eugenio Suarez profile-wise. Uh, Justin Turner, Gio Urshela, and Heimer Candelario rounding things out at number 40. Chris, who's your 31 through 40? All right. Abe Toro, Dustin Harris, Gio Urshela, Reginald Preciado, Heimer Candelario, Mark Vientos, Curtis Mead, Rep 80, Alec Bohm, and Carter Keyboom rounding it out. All right, and let's get to our MLB breakout picks here. Chris, who's that for you? I'm going to go with Yoan Moncada. I think we've been waiting so long for him to really just put it all together. Was he the top overall prospect at one point? He was. Sure he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah it, it was shortly at. Was that? No, it was. I'm trying to think if it was. Before or after we traded him to the White Sox for in the Chris Sale deal, no, he was definitely with the Red Sox still. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah, he was up he was there. Yeah, he was definitely up there with the with the Red Sox. 
I do think that Moncada has the potential. He's only 26, and it takes sometimes guys a little bit longer to really figure that out. I mean, he still posts high exit velos. Like, that's not a concern for me. He hits the ball extremely hard. He hits the ball to all fields well. The biggest thing is the strikeout rate. He struggled with that throughout his career. He's just below 30% for his major league career. But we have seen him trend in the positive direction from a, a plate discipline standpoint. He's walking a little bit more. Honestly, I think he's gotten a little too passive and he's walking at 13.6% last year. Just a little high for my liking, especially for a hitter like Moncada, who really benefits when he puts the ball in play. But there were some indicators that I think really stood out last year that that could be a sign that he really takes a step forward next year. One, I mentioned he continued to hit the ball hard. Uh, the launch angle, I think, is going to be the biggest hindrance here. He's got to get the ball in the air a little bit more, but he's trending in the right direction a couple things, and especially like batted, or like batting average on balls in play, like his ex-woba on contact has gone up. Like Those are all things I want to see, and you look back, and I think that the pedigree is definitely there, and you you think back to that season that he had in 2019 where he hit 315, hit 25 bombs. I'm not saying he's going to hit 315 again. I don't really think that's reasonable, but I do think that it's reasonable to, that he could hit 280 with 25-plus home runs and 10 stolen bases. So we hadn't seen him run in a while, only three stolen bases over the last two seasons, obviously shortened 2020 season. But I'm kind of throwing away the 2020 season for him. He was affected by COVID. He talked about how it affected him the entire season. So that's kind of a wash for him. I'm not worried about it. I do think that he takes a step forward this year, and it's a big breakout. I think we'll be talk about him, talking about him in the top seven next year, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree with basically everything you said there. The one exception, though, I'm not quite there on the speed. It's kind of weird that how his profile has evolved so much to you look at. Obviously, this was low minors, but still, it's kind of show you where he was at. In 2015 and 2016, he was in the uh, low A South Carolina, uh, South Atlantic League back in 2015, and then high A and double A in 2016. In 187 games, those two years combined, he combined for 94 steals on only 23 home runs. Now, last two years combined, I, yeah, 2020, you know, was kind of a lost year for him as Chris mentioned, but only three steals there. His stolen base total has actually gone down literally every year since 2015. 49. 45, 17, 12, 10, okay, then zero and threes. But <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I think maybe he's more like, I don't know, four or five. And the I, I 100% agree on the power, 100%. The average, I don't know, because outside of, you know, at the music level, outside of 2019, he hasn't really shown that he's going to be a 280 hitter. I think he could. I don't I I would like the strikeout rate to come down a little bit uh, for me to, buy into 280 a bit more i think to yeah. at least 260 to 70 but and i do think if the k rate does come down i think 280 is definitely possible he's definitely one that i'm definitely buying in as a bounce back for sure um even if i'm not quite as high on him as chris is for me i'm going to go with alec bohm the guy that is hard for me to rank right now because he has such a terrible year on the surface slash 247 305 342 with seven home runs in 417 plate appearances. But he's shown, you know, throughout his minor league career and then over his first two seasons, that like he's shown bits and pieces that have me really kind of encouraged for a bounce back and still a solid major league career. I don't think he's going to be a great player, but I think he could definitely be an above average offensive contributor um, at third base, or maybe he has to move over to first base eventually. But uh, you look at each of his first two years, hard hit rate was very good. 46.8% in 2020, 49.5% this past year, which was in the top 10% of the league. Uh, his XBA, 292 rookie year, which was top 10% of the league that year, 264 last year, so still pretty solid. He's a little bit unlucky. You know, Average exit velo is 90.2 in 2020, 92 even last year. Solid max exit velos as well. The real issue for him is – the launch angle is low. The ground ball rate is high, over 50% each of the, his first two years. And his launch angle has been kind of hovering around five degrees, which is not great. Um, for So it's it's kind of a 
similar situation to Vlad, obviously to a much different degree, much lesser degree than Vlad. Don't don't put any of that on me that I'm making a comp to Vlad with Alec Bohm, but I think it's kind of a similar situation where it's like, all right, the quality of content metrics are still pretty good, but he's, he's just pounding everything into the ground. And when you're not fast, even though Bohm had a surprising 68th percentile sprint speed last year, which I never saw coming because this guy is slow. But when you're not fast, it that's just not a recipe for success, pounding the ball into the ground. So gets the ball in the air a little bit more. I think he could definitely have a nice bounce back where I think he could be a 260, 270 hitter, 20 to 25 home runs and solid counting stats hitting, you know, behind, you know, Harper and Real Muto and, and Reese Hoskins and all of them. So I think there's a chance for a nice solid bounce back for, for Alec Bohm this year, but we will go ahead and take a quick break, come back on the other side and get into our prospect rankings. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Getting into our prospect rankings now at the hot corner. I will start it off for us here. Actually, my computer is being weird. So, Chris, why don't you start it off here? <laughs> All right. My spreadsheet is um, kind of freaking out on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Spencer Torkelson. Number two, Josh Young. Three, Jordan Walker. Four, Nolan Gorman. Five, Miguel Vargas. And then six through ten, have Jose Miranda, John Kenzie Noel, or Elvis Martinez, Reginald Preciado, and Kobe Mayo rounding out the 10 spot. You got it up? Yeah, it was it was just really it was like kind of like shifting all over the place. So I couldn't get up to the top of the page to see my even though I, I know my rankings pretty much. But uh <laughs> for me, Torque at one, we still have him here because he played a decent amount of third, but he'll probably move out of the position. But still here for now. Josh Jung two, Jordan Walker, Jose Miranda, Nolan Gorman run at my top five, and then Miguel Vargas, John Kenzie Noel, Erlos Martinez. Brett Beatty and Reginald Preciado, one of the fanciest names in all of baseball, rounding out at number 10. So we have the you know clear-cut top three here, Torque, Jung, Walker. And then it's kind of a jumble here. You got like four or five guys that uh, we can all rank in different spots here. You know, Vargas, Gorman, Miranda, Noel, those types. But you know, the one that you know, I have this guy nine, and you don't have him in your top 10, which kind of I think signals were your answer will go to this question, Chris. But with Brett Beatty, he's a guy that we both saw out in the Arizona Fall League. And in our three live looks at him, he looked pretty damn good, right? Like he was kind of spraying line drives all over the field, looked pretty good. But rest of the Fall League wasn't quite as good for him. And there's a strikeout issue here with Brett Beatty. So if you had Brett Beatty in Dynasty, would you be looking to sell him right now? Yes, because I think the best time to sell a prospect is when they're the most hyped and talked about. And I think that's probably right now for Beatty. I mean, he's coming off the AFL where he was highly talked about, but he posted a 30% strikeout rate. And considering the quality of pitching, it's not very good. Big hitters environment. He only had a 404 slug. So just over a 100 ISO. That's not great at all. Yeah. He displayed power in Brooklyn not as much in double A Biggington last year, but I just feel like this is a case where you could probably cash out and get the most for him because while the hit tool's solid, he makes good contact. He posts good EVs and he hits the ball to all fields. Well, the home run power really hasn't come to fruition yet, which is fine. I mean, he's still young and he still can develop that. He's 22 years old, but I am highly concerned about the strikeouts after what we saw him do between high A and double A last year, posted a 25.5% strikeout rate and then comes in at 30% rate in the AFL, that's just not great. So that does concern me a bit, and I think that it could be peak value for him just with how much he's talked about. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I definitely think he's it's a good time to sell high on, on Beatty. I still think there's a solid profile here long-term. Like I think he could be – 
260, 270, 20 home runs, handful of steals annually. But yeah, after his kind of hyped up AFL showing, which actually, like you mentioned, when you look at the numbers, wasn't that great, actually. I think a lot of, a lot of his damage was done in while well, we were out there that for that five, six days. Um, but yeah, I would definitely be looking to sell high on Brett Beatty right now uh, in Dynasty Leagues. You know, I, I almost want to move him down right now. I almost want to adjust my rankings on the fly here because I'm looking at the few guys I have below him, like Preciado, Kobe Mayo. I think I might like them more long term. You know, Mayo obviously is one. That is super hype right now by many sites. I have him 11th overall right now, um, but very. This is a this is a huge cluster for me. Noel to Mayo, I think is only like 11 spots in my overall ranking. So I might jumble this around a little bit here. So I think I do like Mayo a bit more than Beatty long term. Now that I've dug in the Beatty a bit more, uh, so I'll, there's a lot of these guys that could vault up even more. Like, do you think guys like you know Kobe Mayo, Dustin Harris, or Elvis Martinez, Joe Kenzie Noel? You think there's that next level for for these guys where they could maybe be you know top thirty or even pushing top twenty five this time next year? Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, I think Preciado probably has the highest upside of the this group where he could. I think he could easily vault into the top twenty five, even maybe top fifteen. He's that talented. Um, Mayo, I think that the power we obviously know is there, but if he continues to show that hit tool, he'll he'll make yeah. a jump as well. So that's one where he could take a big step if the hit continues. I mean, we know the raw power has been there. We, we've known that prior to the draft. Um, the other ones, I think they're probably going to stay in a similar spot. Uh, but again, there's a lot of players that I expect to graduate this year. So that wouldn't surprise me at all to see any of these. But Mayo, Preciado probably have the chance to take the biggest step forward. Agreed. Yeah, I, lo- I love Preciado. Uh, I think I think I had him in my top 25 for uh, that future top 25 prospect episode we did about a month or so ago. Pretty sure he was my top 25 around like 20th overall. So yeah, very high in him. Yeah. Mayo, if that hit tool, I think he could definitely be up there if the hit tool stays. Um, And also, I think it also needs to be kind of said that a lot of these guys might move off the position in our top 10, like going down the list torque. I I think I would put him at first base long-term Jung. I think it stays at third walkers, probably first base DH. Because uh, of Nolan Arenado, Miranda, I think it's 50-50. He could play second, could play third. We'll see. Nolan Gorman's probably second base. Vargas could do third, but he also could do first. I think he's 50-50 um, in terms of each of the hot corner. Same thing with Young Kenzie Noel. Could be more of a first baseman long-term. Rovos Martinez, who knows with Toronto. So that's like a good, I think, half of the top 10. Could And Kobe Mayo could be first base long-term. Uh, who knows? So I think yeah, I think half of the top ten could move off. So if you're someone that thinks that you got a couple of these guys and you think you're set, yeah, maybe not. Just kind of keep an eye on these guys that might move off the position uh, moving forward. Let's go ahead to our next set of ten here, eleven through twenty in our prospect rankings. For me, that is Kobe Mayo, Dustin Harris, Curtis Mead, Jordan Groshans, Blaze Jordan, Ellie De La Cruz, Eddie's Leonard, James Triantos. Who, if you were listening to our industry prospect mock draft recap uh jeff ponce was mentioned that they could put a 70 on triantos's hit tool at baseball america which is just super incredibly high praise for any hitter anywhere but especially for a 18 year old that was just drafted a prep high school or you know that is super high praise there uh, and then the last two my top 20 mark vientos and jonathan aranda chris who you got 11 through 20 all right, I got Dustin Harris, Jordan Groshans, Curtis Mead, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, which I may want to put Vientos over Beatty at this point. And then followed up by 16 through 20 being Eddie's Leonard, Blaze Jordan, Jose Tana, James Triantos, and Jonathan Aranda at 20. Ah, so we both have Aranda at 20. Nice. <laughs> this is a, I love this part of the, of the rankings. I really do because. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of up and coming young names that are in the lower levels. You know, guys like Curtis Mead broke up this year, Dustin Harris, obviously Kobe Mayo, who we already talked about, Blaze Jordan, Ellie De La Cruz, Eddie's Leonard, James Chiantos. It's like there's like all the, I think everybody here besides like Jordan Groshans, probably you could, you could consider a breakout this year. So I think this is a, a spot in the rankings to really target hard. Uh, especially like if I could pick two from this range that could be, you know, top 25 in a year or two, I think the two I would go with 
are James Triantos and Ellie De La Cruz. You know, Triantos, I mentioned the hit tool is very advanced for his age. Good power as well. A little bit of speed. Uh, so I think he could be a you know 60 hit, 60 power, 50 speed type of uh, infielder. Maybe he could be short, could be third. We'll see. Uh, I think that's kind of 50-50 where he ends up long-term. I think it'll definitely depend on the development of others like Ed Howard and Christian Hernandez as well in that organization. And then Ellie De La Cruz is just super, super toolsy, big, big power, projectable frame, solid speed and athleticism as well. But the approach is very, very aggressive. Uh, the walk rate was not great. The K rate was not great. Not like super. It wasn't like it was a thirty-seven percent K rate, but um, actually, I think he might have got over thirty percent. I think he rate. was. It was like it was like a hair over, but yeah, the walk rate was low. So very aggressive approach. That'll need to be kind of tamed back uh, moving forward if he wants to kind of maximize those tools. But if that happens, you know, he is going to be an absolute monster. So those would be my two picks here. Who, who are a couple you like in this range, Chris? Yeah, um, definitely agree with those. Think Triantos, obviously, as we see him a little more, could take a vault. Eddie's Leonard's another one that had a huge year, so he's um, one I'm excited about seeing as we seeing him as we move forward. He could be a fun one. And Dustin Harris, can he continue that success that he had last year and build on him? Because if he does, then I think he's kind of solidified himself as being a top prospect. For sure, yeah, I, lo- I love Dustin Harris as well. I know our buddy James Anderson is very high on Dustin Harris, probably higher than than we are. Um, but another one here, you know, you have him a bit higher than I do. Jordan Groshans. Where, where, what do you see from Groshans long-term statistically, Chris? I don't know. The power development is just not that's what where we I, That's where I'm at. I don't, I don't like the power. He hasn't shown anything to tell me that he's going to develop. He's just nothing but projection at this point. Oh, that's, that's tough. I mean, he is just 22 years old, 6'3", 205. I think there's more power in the profile than, than we've seen, but how much, I mean, he only hit seven home runs last year and 316 plate appearances. The hit tool is really good. He continues to hit for average, which is a solid in my opinion. Uh, but the power or lack thereof is, is concerning. But even still you look and post WRC plus in 2019 at single a of 167 and last year in double a at 124. So those numbers do say that he was well above league average. He walks at a high rate. It's just hard to project him. Like, what is he? He should easily get to 20 home runs, but he's just not. I mean, his home run to fly ball rates are just 8% is crazy low. Like, that's like, I don't even know. I don't even know who to compare him to, but I feel like that would be like Tommy Edmond range. So <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm going to pull up Edmond right now and see because, yep, Edmond has 6.3% home run to fly ball last year. All right, it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Groshan should have way more power than that. And he's just not getting to it. So hopefully he does. The batted ball distribution is really good. I mean, sub 40% ground ball rate, 20% line drive, 40% fly ball. Like that's a good distribution rate. Just not getting the home runs. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that fly ball rate might be a little bit misleading. I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of Jordan Groshans and there's a lot to like here. Like the, the hit tool, I think, is at least above average. You know, great context skills, puts the bat on the ball, can use the entire field. Quick hand stays inside the ball, but the swing is just super linear. It's very flat through the zone, doesn't drive the ball in the air consistently. I think he's the big guy that has a lot of doubles into the gap, but I just don't see unless he has a you know a swing chain, a mechanical adjustment with the hands to unlock more more of the power. I think he's above average raw, but just don't see the game power coming without a mechanical change to that swing. Uh, and the fact that he doesn't provide any speed doesn't help either. So, yeah, that's why I'm I'm, I'm a little lower than most on on Groshans. Like he's 101 overall for me, which I think is probably the lowest in the industry. I'm pretty sure he's a top 100 everywhere else. But yeah, he's right in the same range as Blaze Jordan for me. And I think you know, unless I see some of that power come through into games next year, I could see a lot of these guys vaulting ahead of him. I could see Jordan, De La Cruz, Leonard, Triantos, Vientos. Aranda, uh, Davian de los Santos, which we'll get to in, in a minute here. Jose Tane, I think, I think this could be he could be a good amount lower. Uh, though you can mention there'll be a lot of guys that graduate this year too, like Torque and Jung, and probably Miranda and Gorman. So that would definitely help offset that a little bit. But I still don't see him ever getting higher than where he is in my rankings without that swing change. Um, but a lot of guys in this rank and the said in this range are very, very intriguing. I think Jonathan Aranda is great as well. Aranda and, and 
Eddie's Leonard are kind of similar to me in the sense that they're very, very talented. I think it could be good across the board guys. Maybe we don't stand out in any one area, but you know, good hit tools, solid power, a little bit of speed, but they're, they play on teams where they're just thoroughly blocked. Like, I don't know where Eddie's Leonard fits into the Dodgers plans. I don't know where Ronda fits into the Rays plans. So that's kind of a little bit of shine off their profile, but if you're one that doesn't worry about all that and just gets the talent and hope everything else kind of works itself out, then these are two guys to definitely target in dynasty leagues. Let's move on to 21 through 30. Who are that 10 for you, Chris? Yeah, this is a fun range, actually. It is like this is a fun, like, yeah, fun kind of position for prospects. Yep. Davison de los Santos at 21, Ellie de la Cruz, 22, Jorbid Vivas, 23, Nolan Jones. One's not like the other with those other names. <laughs> 24, <laughs> Xavier Edwards, 25. And then 26 through 30, Elarus Montero, Cody Hosey, Zach Geloff, Joe Perez, and Reese Hines rounding it out. So I get some a few different names in here, but uh, guys like that you mentioned, like Cody Hosey, I have at 31, Hines, 32, and Joe Perez, 33. Uh, Montero is 35 for me, so they're a little bit lower. Uh, but my 21 through 30, Xavier Edwards, Davison de los Santos, Jose Tena, Nolan Jones, Jorbit Vivas, Gage Workman, Zach Galoff, Alex Benellis, AJ Vukovic, uh, and Eurebio Angeles or Angeles at 30. Yes, a really interesting part of the range. Nolan Jones has fallen uh, a ton. Like I just, as I mentioned in my article, two passive platoon issues. You know, there's a lot to not like in this profile where he had a golden opportunity to kind of break in as like a corner outfielder for them. But I don't think this could have happened, honestly. Um, I think he's a strong side platoon bat at best moving forward. So he's just kind of consistently moved down my rankings. We both, I think we both like Davian De Los Santos a good amount. You even had him in your top 25 uh, in that future top prospect episode we did yep. a month ago. So why don't you uh, give a little, some goodies here on De Los Santos. Uh, hits the ball just extremely hard. <laughs> he uh, pounds the ball. Yeah, he's he's a physical specimen, you know, for his age. He's young. He absolutely smacks the ball around. There's so much to like here in the profile, in my opinion. He hits for high. I mean, he hit for a really high average in the ACL. Don't not mistaken for the AZL, but he constantly performed. He he just kept it going. Everything you wanted to see. I mean, he he got kind of an aggressive promotion, and he still performed well. The K rate is the probably the slight concern, but even still, like the tools are there, and even not quite as much strikeout as like Ellie De La Cruz. So yeah, the EVs are off the charts here. I'm pretty sure I saw. I'm trying to find. I'm pretty sure I saw he hit one like one seventeen, like something just absolutely nuts. But I can't find it right now. But yeah, huge power, good feel to hit. A lot of things you like to see in the profile, so he could take a big step forward. Yeah, and he, he is definitely gaining a lot of momentum here in prospect circles. Uh, I, I got to give a shout-out to our good buddy Trevor Huth uh, from Prospects Live. He has kind of been driving the uh, Davion De Los Santos hype train for uh, several months now, so he's been uh, he's been very high on De Los Santos and a lot of other people are jumping on that hype train as well. So, yeah, I think he's definitely the the biggest breakout in this range. The Jose Tana could be – I think you had him in the last last 10, but uh, I think Jose Tana could be a big breakout as well. Xavier Edwards, he's one that like, – we, we've talked about him before. Just like I love the hit tool, love the approach, love the speed. It's just I wish he had some power. Like any power would do. Just hit me five home runs or something, but – he might just be another, like, I don't know, Nick Magical type at best moving forward. So, and he's on Tampa Bay, so he's going to be buried on the depth chart, um, as we've mentioned with others here. Uh, Zach Geloff's another intriguing one for me, too. He's a nice FYPD pick in, you know, like the 25-ish range, I'd say. Uh, Workman had a really down year, but I like him to bounce back a bit here. I think Cody Hosey can bounce back as well, even though he had a really, really poor year overall. Didn't hit for average, didn't hit for power but i still am a believer in the tools that got him drafted in the first round by the dodgers back in 2019 so 
nice. I think he's he's going to be a nice bounce back target you can get for pretty cheap in dynasty leagues. Vukovic, another one that could bounce up too. Uh, but let's give our official breakout picks here at this third base position for prospects. These are prospects that are currently outside of our top 200 that we think can jump inside the top 100 by this time next year. Chris, why don't you start us off? And you mentioned him, but uh, Zach Geloff here. I mean, highly underrated in college, hit had 316 career average at Virginia. So a high level of ACC ball there. Really like what I've seen in the profile. He He performed well in all the summer leagues, which is really encouraging as well. And then he came up to the minor leagues after getting drafted and hit at a high level. I mean, over, I mean, just 161 plate appearances, but still 333, 422, 565 slash. The power is developing. Uh, I think we've, we've saw that in this year at Virginia. I mean, prior to 2021, he hadn't shown a lot of pop, but he hit nine home runs in this college season in 2021. Then he hit seven over those 161 plate appearances. So the power is coming. It's a good feel to hit. He has pretty good play discipline as well. Walks at a really high clip, which I like to see, and doesn't strike out a, a tremendous amount. So Geloff, I think, could really take a step forward. Seems pretty underrated, in my opinion. And I didn't even mention the fact that he exhibits decent speed as well. So he did steal 12 bags at Virginia this year, stole 13 bags in the minors. Not putting a big stock in that. Not sure how much of a runner He'll actually be, but those are encouraging things to see. Just performing across the board right out of the gate after getting drafted, even made it to AAA. Yeah, it was just for a game because their season went a little longer than, than single A, but still, I, actually it was more than a game. He had 13 plate appearances, but just for fun. He's still at 583 and 13 plate appearances in AAA. Six Man, RBI. That was a really long game, 13 plate appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longest longest game ever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like Zach Goff a good amount. I have him. Like I mentioned, I think he's going to be a breakout as well. Uh, the guy I'm going to go with here is very similar to Jesse, the guy I have right behind Zach Galoff in my rankings, and that's Alex Benellis, a guy that just came over recently, right, right before the lockout started about a little over a month ago now, from Milwaukee to Boston in the Hunter Renfro deal, which I'm still a little bitter about. But with that said, I do like Alex Benellis. He's a guy that... He's kind of had a little roller coaster of you know last year and a half or so value wise. Like entering the 2021 collegiate season, he was very high at a lot of people's list, and he had a, you know, a decent enough year. The power was still there. Had 19 home runs in 50 games at Louisville, but only hit 256. So that I think was a little bit of a deterrent for people. He he, he slid down some rankings a bit heading into the draft, and you know, in the FYPD rankings specifically. I got drafted overall in the third round. So he even fell, I think he was a projected first round pick, uh, mid to late first round pick entering the year. So he slid a couple rounds there uh, in FIPD as well, as I mentioned. But his first still debut here, he had seven games in rookie ball and 29 in low A, combined uh, slash 309, 390, 583, the 274 ISO, 11 doubles, nine home runs in 159 plate appearances, and now gets to come over to Boston. Big, you know, I think the power is plus, easily plus, maybe even a, a tick above plus with his raw power. Really strong frame, 6'3", 225. Just really strong throughout, especially in the lower half. Like his legs are tree trunks, really good torque in the swing, rotates well. So I think he's going to be a really good power bat, even at Fenway as a lefty. I think he could be a 25 homer bat. And But the hit tool is going to be the X factor here. If he's, you know, a 50 hit type of guy that can hit like 260 or so, I think that'll play. I think that's really where... You know, the power, I think the power has really ever been questioned uh, dating back to Louisville. It's just where's the hit tool end up? So I, I think with his quality of contact, I think he's going to be a 50 hit. So I think he will be, you know, a 260, 270 hitter at the major level, but that'll be the X factor here. So, but now this is my breakout pick here. And you got to factor in that he's a Red Sox now that, you know, if he, if he plays well and continues this, you know, the building on that momentum we saw, uh, late in 2021, just because he's on the Boston Red Sox, that's always a boost, <laughs> excuse me, boost his value a little bit more. So Alex Benellis is my breakout pick here. Anything else you want to get to, Chris, before we get out of here? Nah, I think that was a fun episode. A lot of good talk. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of especially on the prospect side, even on the major league side, some, even if they're not on the rise, there's a lot of intriguing guys, some some bounce backs like with, uh, with Brian Hayes and Rendon. We didn't even really talk Anthony Rendon. I think he could be a, 
a bounce back to if healthy, you know, Yohan Makata, Alec Bohm, a lot of prospects on the rise here. So very, very intriguing position throughout, but that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again, this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at air cross zero four and check out our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. We're pumping on a lot of stuff getting into draft season here. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit benext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world.